As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, Drancer, the season is upon us as we crank open this new week with all sorts to dive into when it comes to the Vancouver Canucks. So hopefully you're uh, uh, well fed this morning because you got to sustain. I think this is going to be a meaty podcast. (laughs) I haven't eaten yet. Uh, but that's all right. Oh, you know, if this is a meaty, this is like a lumberjack breakfast podcast. What? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I should eat. Is that what you're saying? I'll stop and get well, a bagel or something. I'm fine. The uh... okay. <laughs> I don't need bacon and a side of ham and sausage too, um, because I'm doing this podcast, right? Like this podcast is the three meat side for breakfast for Canucks fans. Today is the day. Louis Erickson on waivers. Canucks significantly tipping their hand in terms of what their opening night roster will look like. It's going to be an insane 48 hours for the club on the lead in the lead up to Wednesday's season opener against Edmonton. And and you know what? Let's just start there, right? Because Sunday's practice was scrubbed. I show up at the rink, J Pat. Yeah. And I know you got inside. I didn't actually get inside. I show up. To, I got I in. Security I got in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I call security to get access to the parking lot. And as I'm waiting there, Brandon Sutter leaves, right? So now Brandon Sutter leaving does not to me mean practice is canceled, but it might mean that Sutter's hurt, right? So I'm like, ooh, I've got a story. Right? Like I'm like, ooh, there might be something here like worth kicking into. And then I call security and they're like, oh uh, yeah, practice has been canceled. And immediately the email, I get the email and I don't think we're going to focus on this too much today, uh, but, you know, I do think it was a reminder of the fragility, right, a- and the uncanniness of competing in the NHL, of NHL competition unfolding a- against the backdrop of the second wave. A lot of our assumptions, a lot of what we're used to covering hockey is going to be challenged, 
over the course of the season. And, and Sunday was just a reminder, um, you know, reality knocking, essentially. Um, and yet that shouldn't obscure, I think, the fact that on Wednesday in the same building in which they, you know, took the Vegas Golden Knights to seven games uh, <laughs> five months ago. Uh, the Canucks will be playing NHL hockey with stakes regular season against the Edmonton Oilers on Wednesday. Canucks hockey is back, and regardless of the backdrop against which it's played, that's cause for celebration. Yeah, and I must have been about five minutes ahead of you because I did, I, I gained access to the building. Uh, but same deal. I mean, the parquet garage was down as it is most weekends, so I phoned security and I said, hey, you know, it's Jeff from TSN, can you let me in? And there was a big, long pause, and I didn't really think anything of it. I thought, okay, maybe this guy, you know, is checking with somebody or, you know, I, like, I, I didn't know. But the big, long pause now, in hindsight, was a tell. Anyways, he was like, yeah, go ahead. So he let me in, and then when I got in, I filled out the online registration that we have to do for contact tracing, you know, scrubbed up with the hand sanitizer that's provided, and got on the elevator, went up to the 300 level, and when the open doors opened, uh, Ben Kuzma was already in, and there were two Rogers Arena security people, which, again, was another tell because that's not sort of who we've been greeted by every day as we've attended training camp. And, and then uh, they just said, practice is canceled. Uh, Canucks are going to issue a statement here. And, and so that kind of told me all I needed to know. And then, sure enough, uh, as you said, the, the statement came out. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm kind of curious to find out, you know, a little bit of the timeline and just how close they were to skating. But as you point out, players were in the building. Like, I think they showed up uh, expecting that it was going to be a normal practice day. And then uh, things move. Oh, yeah. You know, things move in a hurry. I mean, that's the world we live in now. So um, you're right. I mean, that's where it is. But by the time people listen to this pod, Canucks probably will have practiced again. We may have some more details. So uh, let's move on to the other issues because there are enough. There's the Saturday scrimmage that I uh, want to dive into. But news of this day, as we record this on Monday morning, you know, we all waited for 9 o'clock. The waiver list comes out on a daily basis, and the Canucks hadn't placed anybody on waivers to this point in training camp. And so we knew this day was coming, and sure enough, the day has arrived, and Louis Erickson has been designated for assignment. Words that uh, we have not uttered in four years, and... Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, I guess he's 24 million. Well, he's made more than that because it's cash up front. But uh, still, this deep into the contract, yeah. we have never uttered those words. But sure enough, Louis Erickson among a handful of players designated for assignment. I know. And you know what? I woke up with a burr in my saddle, right? Like I woke up <laughs> this morning early, bright and early. And I don't know why, but at about 730, I, I tweeted the like, Get hyped for waiver wire Armageddon <laughs> tweet. <laughs> but I, I genuinely, like, the Canucks have six guys. I think that's probably going to be an average number around the league. Only a few teams, like Anaheim, I know. There, there's a couple others that sort of cut down their roster already or place guys on waivers. But, what, six times 30? I mean, we're talking about, you know, uh, maybe it's six times 25. But we're certainly talking about 120 plus bodies on waivers today and there's going to be some sexy names like there's going to be some names that fans are going to be interested in and you know that's fun like that's going to be it's going to be a really strange day but it's also going to be really hard for teams to add now the Canucks have waived or designated for assignment six players and I think these six players give us a really good sense of how the Canucks will approach building their opening night roster, which is going to be super complicated, J-Pat. Yeah. Like, this is one of the knock-on effects, too, of having practice canceled yesterday, right? Like, uh, the you know, 
I think we kind of had a sense that that wasn't a worst case scenario because the Canucks handled their own announcement as opposed to the league itself, right? But the but the overall um, loss of that scrimmage, right? Like that was going to be the final scrimmage at camp. The Canucks are only going to practice in one smaller group today, which probably necessitated some of this waiver news and the cuts. Um, but that means Hamannick doesn't get a scrimmage, right? Like this is a guy who hasn't yeah. played since February. Yeah. Now he doesn't get into a scrimmage. And how much does that calculus impact who plays on opening night on the back end? Like I think it could uh, it could factor in pretty significantly, even though we expect to see Hamannick practice with the team, you know, in a couple hours in Vancouver. Um, you know, we'll sort of see we'll sort of see from here. But man, there's a lot going on. And a lot of really complicated factors at play that the club will be weighing here as they figure out what their opening night roster looks like. What we now know, though, is that Erickson, Berchi, Brisebois, Bailey, Grayevac, Sautner, not a ton of surprises there except Erickson, right? Those guys clearly will not begin the season on the opening night 23-man roster. Right. And so... You know, among the young defensemen, it looks like Jalen Chatfield has made the grade for now. Uh, Ole Levy, I think, is a lock. I mean, he's had a really good camp, and we've been saying this sort of throughout, yeah. but I mean, his time well, is now, so I think you Levy. Um, but you're right. like So so Chatfield, Chatfield, though, we know like that because Chatfield does require, like Rafferty, you Levy don't require waivers, right? Yeah. Um, the fact that Chatfield is not on waivers means he will start the season on the 23-man. That's the type of, like, Zach McEwen on the 23-man, right? Those two guys, anyway, uh, and anyone else who requires waivers, we now know if they're not on that list of six, the big six, um, <laughs> we know for sure that they will open the season with the team. Like, that we know now. So, um, good for Jalen Chatfield. That's a pretty incredible... Uh, accomplishment for a guy, you know, his age and, um, and, you know, who's been through what he's been through. So uh, a fascinating um, moment for him and, and one that I'm sure he's very excited about. Like he has broken an NHL camp on an NHL roster. Like congrats and congrats to him. And, and Yolevi is a fascinating one too, for a different reason. Yolevi and Rathbone and Hoaglander uh, have the same thing where, you know, they're waiver exempt, they're on entry level deals, but Yolevi was a fifth overall pick, like his entry level contract carries a lot of bonuses. Now, they're not bonuses he's actually going to hit, but if he doesn't open the season on the 23 man, when you recall him from the taxi squad, he would be a $1.9 million cap hit. So, you know, he's going to be on the roster, right? Like 100% Yolevi's going to be on the roster. And, um, you know, as such, again, I, I really think we're at a point now where um, the Jace Howerluck injury, potential injury, we'll, we'll, we'll know more about that. I don't know why I'm bringing that up, except that training camp injuries count on the books. Like, that's 800K prorated cap hit that the Canucks now have to account for in LTI or somehow in setting their roster. Like, that's actually a massive inconvenience. If, if Howerluck's not 100%, and, and I assume he's not, um, that's actually a really complicated complicated thing for the club to address as they look to you know be cap compliant activate lti like capture lti space with furland and then you know sign hamannick recall some guys so that they go to edmonton with closer to a full 23-man roster because anyway the way it shakes out right now the way i'm modeling it now after today's news i'm expecting um you know i'm, I'm certainly expecting at this point uh the canucks to 
you know, have um, no more than 21 bodies on the roster uh, when they set their opening night roster on Tuesday by 2 p.m. local. So it begs the question, Tom, like what's next for Louie? Like he's designated for assignment, so he's on waivers for the next 24 hours. He's not going to get claimed. We know that. Is he a taxi squad guy or do the Canucks? Like is this the moment of truth now for for Louie Erickson and the organization and a spot in the American Hockey League when it gets up and running? The Canucks have passed the first of two big cojones tests on Louie Erickson, (laughs) right? They put him on waivers. Uh, that takes real balls. I, I genuinely think it would have been, well, first of all, with the way the cap math worked, I don't know how you set an opening night roster that has both Erickson and Ben on it. Like one of them had to go down for the 1.075 million in space that you could create. Um, one of them had to go down. So um, this is an indication anyway that the club isn't going to risk losing Ben, right? That That they'd rather do the Erickson thing. And I think that makes sense. Do you think Ben, it, look, before I get into Louis, real quick, do you think Ben's played well enough to make, like he was the best player at the scrimmage on, di- on the second scrimmage, right? You know, and he was, and like, I thought that independently you did. And then we kind of compared notes and came to that conclusion. It says a lot about the scrimmage. It was a night for the goalies. The goalies were the best players. We can dive into the scrimmage a little bit later on, but you know, people don't probably want to hear that Jordy Ben was the best player on the ice of the scrimmage, right? Like, that's no, that's no, not that's terribly. Okay. It's, not, it's not terribly sexy. <laughs> well, I'll backpedal. But, I'll backpedal. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm so that is not a waiver getting. <laughs> that's not a sexy headline to come out of the final scrimmage of camp. Is that Jordy Ben was no. the best player? But to his credit, he was good. Like he did his part. Yes, I think to again just leave the coaching staff with something to consider as they fill out this opening night roster and with the uncertainty around Hamonic. If Chatfield is an op- like, are they going to start against McDavid and Drysaddle with Chatfield and Yulevi in the lineup together, two raw rookies, or you know, did Jordy Ben make a late push to at least be in the opening night lineup? Like, I think he had that kind of night yeah. on Saturday. He did, and you know what's funny? You're like Jordy Ben being the best player. Like that was not a sexy takeaway. It's not a sexy takeaway for us, but you can just imagine Travis Green like watching, you know. Two two scrimmage sides like play pretty high intensity hockey with very few defensive miscues, and he's just like, yes, yes, like this is what I'd like, and we're just like, this is boring. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, sorry, back to Erickson. So they passed the first Cohones test, but there is a second Cohones test coming up because designated for assignment no longer means you're going to the American League, right? There is a taxi squad. There is a route to keeping him around in Vancouver, mollifying. Uh, his agent, J.P. Barry of CAA, the, you know, super agency that also includes Pat Brisson, who represents Quinn Hughes, right? So there are a variety of political considerations here. But, but if you look at this from a pure vantage point of pressure, pressure points, how to potentially get out of the Erickson cap hit, like this is the moment right now, um, Erickson's only do 1 million in salary this season. If he's assigned to the American League, he it's not an escrow shelter this year. His his deal is still um you know going to be deducted by the amount agreed to in the original uh memorandum of under, understanding. So he's only going to make 70% of his salary this year roughly, right? This is that means he's basically got an AHL salary, 700k. Um in Utica this year, if you go down, you're not coming back. This is the most depressing possible time to go to Utica, and that's saying something, right? Like, I, I like Utica, Paris of the Mohawk Valley, but um, that's not a widely held opinion. 
Um, also, you're going to have a shared affiliation. You're going to have all of the youngest players only from the Blues and the Canucks organizations going down just to play minutes, right? Like, just to play minutes. This is like, no peers are going to be in the American League with Louis if he goes down. Um, are you willing, during a pandemic, to go live in the double tree in Utica for 700 k considering all you've earned in your career? Um, I think he probably would be. He's got 4 million reasons to protect his 2021-2022 salary. But I don't think it's a quick yes. Like, I don't think that's a no-brainer yes. And that is precisely the reason that this Canucks team has to, has to see and test him, has to make sure that because all it takes is for him to not report and you're out scot-free, right? The Zach Bogosian contract termination from a $6 million cap hold this year and next. And, you know, when you consider what we've seen over the past week, you like Yo Levy looking like an NHLer, um, Nils Huglander, uh, being sort of this <laughs> NHL-ready middle six piece. Like, when you think about those facts, like what's developed over the course of this week, now add to it the possibility, and it's a remote possibility, but it is a possibility that you might end up with additional, you know, six million in cap space for this season and next. Like, that's th- that could fundamentally reshape the paradigm of what this team could do, you know, in in the first year that Pedersen and Hughes get prohibitively more expensive and you got to try, like you have to take your shot. This is the shot. You have to take it. This club's passed the first cojones test. There's one more remaining taxi squad or American league for Louie. It's time. He has to go down. This is where you have to turn the screws. I think one of the things that would make his decision to go a little easier is that it's already the middle of January. Like where Sven Berchi got sent down in November, right. And had to spend a full season or almost a full season in the AHL. Like there's still so much uncertainty around what that AHL season is going to look like, uh, how much travel there's going to be. Like it would be a short stay in the grand scheme, which I think would make his life easier if he was trying to protect his contract for the following season. But man, there's so much uncertainty, uh, not just in terms of are they going to play, but this mix with St. Louis as well and what that's going to look like and who's going to get in the lineup on a regular basis. So you're right. Uh, this story is far from over and we'll see uh, where that next uh, shoe drops with Louis Erickson uh, if he clear- clears waivers, which he will. I don't think that there's much doubt yeah. about that. Now, I have to say this, and I- I'm pushing back again because you tried hard uh, at practice or the scrimmage on Saturday to get the rest of us in the media to call him Hooglander. And I just, I, I'm not going there. I can't. I don't I think won't. I tried hard. I just oh, noted I think you that did. that's what it probably is. <laughs> no, no, no. I absolutely not. Um, th- Just like we were talking about umlauts, right? I have this one guy in our, in our, in my mentions who, who is really insistent that I use an umlaut for Nils Hooglander. Um, that's the dots over the O, right? Just for the, that's, that's the dots the, over the O. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's a different letter, right? Like, it's not just an accent. It's a different letter. <laughs> and, you know, I've thought about it, but Nils, Nils Huglander, who I don't think has clarified how we should be pronouncing his name yet, right? Um, you he's know, a man of he's, few words. He's, he's on the Canucks official roster. He's H-O-G, right? On his jersey yes. so far at camp, he's H-O-G, you know? And... So we'll see. Like, I'm open to it once he's officially listed as H umlaut G. But until then, I'm just going to go with how he's officially listed. That's sort of my standard. 
Um, and then pronunciation wise, I'll go with whatever he asks for. But um, that specific symbol tends to have the same vowel sound as earth, like uh, right? So hooglen, hooglender, hooglender, something like that. Anyway, this is going to be a thing for me. You, I'm going to be like Dolly Wall yeah. trying to be correct. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> you, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> He's going to just be Niels. He's just going to be Niels on this podcast, man. I'm going to be like double A. Yeah, double A. Like, <laughs> I'm going full Dolly Wall here. <laughs> do you, how do you spell it in print? Do you use the, the amulet? I don't. I don't because I go with what he's officially listed as. Oh, okay. All right. Right? Um, Nils Hoaglander uh, was relatively <laughs> quiet on Saturday, I thought. And look, lots of guys were. We said it was 1-1 and then settled in a shootout. So uh, there were two penalty shot goals and Brandon Sutter scored the only goal in the run of play in the scrimmage. But where Hoaglander was sort of the darling of the first week for all the right reasons, I uh, thought it was a relatively quiet night for him, but he had lots of company in that regard. Yeah, uh, 100%. Uh, that was definitely the first scrimmage of, or the first moment of Canucks camp where he looked human. <laughs> but like, what a thing to say about a guy, right? Who's Who just turned 20 and has, you know, yep. lit Canucks camp on fire. So uh, pretty incredible. And, you know, I think he's earned his shot. Like, uh, now, here's one thing, though. I'm I'm not sure that he'll be on the opening night roster. His his cap hit, if he starts on the taxi squad, because of his bonus structure, would only be $1.1 million. I think there's a real shot that he... I think there's a real shot that he ends up um, not being on the opening night roster, but still playing on Wednesday, uh, awaiting, you know, Furlan's capture of LTI space. Uh, into which the Canucks will presumably sign Hamannick, perhaps recall a player, uh, certainly recall a player, perhaps Hooglander uh, or Niels, Neil, fuck, and <laughs> uh, and um, and uh, and then potentially maybe even recall Erickson, right? Like, or or who knows? We'll we'll sort of see where it goes there. But um, he's one guy to eye. He may not end up on the club's opening day roster on Tuesday at two p.m. Uh, and yet, I don't think there's any question he's going to be in the opening night lineup, and he's going to be in the opening night lineup playing that top six role on Bo Horvat's wing. I had somebody reach out after our last pod and say, you guys haven't really talked about the goaltending. Like, what what do you think of the goaltending? And, um, you know, it's training camp scrimmages. Like, it, it's hard to get a huge read, yeah. I think. But at the Remember same how time... Bad Markstrom was? Remember how bad Markstrom was yeah. in phase three training camp? He was, like, getting First mad week. at himself. Yeah, and no, then the playoffs week, begin, like, and not right. He was like banging his stick on the wall, and then you know bubble hockey opens, and he's unbeatable, right? Like I just don't read into goaltenders at training camp at all. No, but they were both good on Saturday. Like they were the stories to come out of of that game. It was two one. Pedersen won it for Team Blue in a in a shootout. But you know, Justin Bailey was the only guy that beat Braden Holpe on the night on a penalty shot. And he made a couple other spectacular saves. Pearson on a breakaway. Bailey had another chance. Uh, and then he stared down all three of the shooters that he faced uh, in the shootout. It was Horvat, it was Hoaglander, and Quinn Hughes. So, you know, three legitimate shootout candidates for the Vancouver Canucks. Like, you know, Braden, you can't ask for a whole lot more from Braden Holpe. He just, he looked sharp. He looked dialed in. You know, my sense is that he probably gets the start in game one. But I also think that they're going to split with back-to-back games that, uh, you know, we'll see each of these guys uh, against the Oilers this week. And then from there, uh, who knows where it goes. But my hunch, and that's all it is, is that 
Braden Holpe probably has the inside track to be the opening night starter. Oh, I think there's no question. He's had that starter's respect throughout camp, right? Like, he was in the early group on the opening day. That's starter's respect. Um, and he was, you know, uh, sort of the um, in the starter's end, right? Like, he was in right. the starter's yeah. end of the rink. He played in the home end of the rink. So those two indications strongly suggest that he's going to go into the season with starter's respect. Now, starter's respect means different things when we're talking about, like, where you stop pucks at training camp and how you're actually deployed, right? Like one thing that Markstrom had because he had bona fide starters respect in Vancouver was after a bad game, almost always the Canucks still went back with him, you know, like it didn't matter. He was the trusted guy, the guy who could play through his own issues. I don't think Holpe is going to have that, at least not off the hop. And, and honestly, not all season. I think regardless of who starts night one, and I agree with you, I think it'll be Holpe Demko, Holpe Wednesday, Demko Thursday. Um, and there's a, a lot of back-to-backs this season, so both are going to get a fair bit of time. But I think in the games where the Canucks have a genuine choice between the two, I think it's going to come down to performance. I don't think Holpe's going to have any uh, seniority leg up once results really matter this season, the same way that Markstrom did over Demko uh, over the last two years. So that's sort of where I'm at with how I'm looking at this goaltending split, I think. Hope he's going into the season with starters respect. He's deserved it to this point, but, uh, you know, certainly deserved it to this point based on his career accomplishments. Right. But the moment the puck drops, the moment goaltenders start seeing rubber, it's going to be performance that dictates who plays. So we like the goaltending. We talked about Jordy Ben. I thought Antoine Roussel had some jump again. Um, I guess we have to talk about Tyler Mott because like, I'm not sure what, got into Tyler Mott. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned Jace Howerlock and that I mean that sucks. It sucks for anybody. You come to training camp, you're trying to show your best. I thought he had been pretty quiet in the first week. I actually thought on yes. a line with Lucas Yashik and Cole Lynn that I had noticed those three. I thought they were playing okay in the game and then it was just an awkward collision. Mott and Lind and Howerlock get tangled up. Howerlock goes down, has to be helped off the ice and you hate to see that at any time. But then later we see Tyler Mott and he absolutely kicked the feet out from under Adam Gaudet. Like, I don't know what that was. I don't think of Tyler Mott as that kind of player. But, like, honestly, I didn't have a problem with Gaudet coming up swinging because I would have been pissed if that had been me. I just think that was a totally offside move by a guy like Tyler Mott. Agreed. And, well, and, you know, I do think the Howerluck context matters, right? Like, I think Gaudet was mad that he got slew foot. But I also think you might have chalked it up to an a- accident if it was the first time it happened in the game, Right. There was no chance that they were going to do that after the Howerluck injury, right? Like, <laughs> which again was Mott, right? Like Mott hits Lind yeah. into Howerluck. Um, yeah, so they filled him in. And again, you can just imagine the coaching staff like, I love the intensity. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, look, Tyler Mott out for blood this season. That's sort of the new <laughs> thing that I'm looking for. Like Tyler Mott, Tyler Mott is going, you know, Tyler Mott wants to play top Nine minutes, right? Tyler Mott wants to score more goals. Tyler Mott wants to channel Matt Cook. Uh, that's where we're at. <laughs> Tyler Mott out for blood. Well, I mean, it was. It was a Matt Cook flashback sort of the other night, like for whatever reason. And that is out of character to me for Tyler Mott. But for whatever. Sure. For like and, the and, nicest and, guy. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, we there's no media availability after the scrimmage. So we didn't get a, ta- a chance to talk to either one of those guys. You know, they looked like they kissed it made up and everything was fine. But just in that moment, 
that's just not a play that has to happen in hockey when you're kicking a guy's skates out from under him in a legitimate puck battle. And it was, I mean, it was sort of a 50-50 battle along the side boards. And all of a sudden there's Mott, you know, swinging the leg and taking Godet down. And it's out of character too for Godet to drop the gloves, but a little, hey, a little intensity on a Saturday night. Why not? The other thing that uh, was funny, and again, it's a scrimmage, it's all we've got to go on, but don't want to get over analytical. Maybe we're already past that point. But well past that was, point. Also, also was wait, the, wait, the Hoaglander. Oh, yeah. I just want okay, to say something ahead. in defense of being overly analytical with camp scrimmages. Right. This is a team that scratched Jake Vertanen based on his performance at training camp. Right. Like this is a team that has repeatedly put veteran guys on waivers or even prized prospects on waivers because of how guys perform at camp. Like Jim Benning, Travis Green. This is an organization that, in its lifeblood believes that you earn your spot at training camp and have acted accordingly for years and years. And then for whatever reason in this market, we always say like, oh, well, you know, scrimmage, it's training camp, whatever. It doesn't matter. And it's like, it matters to these guys. Like these guys have for seven years conducted themselves like training camp really matters in terms of who plays, who doesn't, right? Like Brogan Rafferty has a good scrimmage on Fridays with the main group on Saturday. Like this organization reacts to good camp and scrimmage performances. And then this market, for whatever reason, like trained over 30 years of past organizations or like past management groups is like, this doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. And then every year it fucking does. Like we have to retire this man. I don't mean to get fired up over literally nothing, but like, let's get overly analytical because they do. Sorry. No, that works for me. Like I've seen a lot of people saying, you know, like Brock Besser. No, no, no. I, I, I've seen people that Brock Besser's had the best training camp or he's been the best player at camp. He should be, right? Like he's one of their three or four best yeah. players. Like it stands to reason that he Brock looks Besser. Faster, and he is. He does. He does look like, I mean, that's always been the knock on him is foot speed. You know, you know we know that he's a goal scorer and he's rounding out his game, but foot speed. But he does. He looks like. I, he looks I'm fast, curious. Man curious if he changed his training i mean this is the tough part of you know we only get access to these guys sort of once a week now or twice yeah. with zooms like so it's hard to sort of follow up on that kind of thing but i'd be curious to know if if that's something that uh, he addressed at all in this offseason because you're right like it's noticeable he's getting around the ice really well and, and seems to have uh, that extra step the last thing i wanted to mention about saturday and the scrimmage though was the shootout and the false start for Hoaglander. Oh, yeah. And oh, so good. So he was the first shooter. And he comes out over the boards and picks up the puck and just decides to go on his way. But the refs weren't in position and hadn't blown the play to start. And so it was a false start. And like I thought this was great for team building. Like The other team, the Blue Guys, were all over him. Right, like you can hear it, <laughs> led by like, led by who? <laughs> JT, yeah, and JT Miller, the ringleader, and but, and Nate Schmidt on the same team. Pirate. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> yeah, so brutal. <laughs> <laughs> I well, you know what? I honestly, I, I I think I wrote a piece about this that like JT Miller and um, Nate Schmidt would either join forces and be completely insufferable, <laughs> or be completely antagonistic to one another, the way that Miller and Antoine Roussel are. Right, like Antoine Roussel and Miller are like dicks to each other constantly, right? Like you remember during the first lockdown when they both like said that the other one was the guy they'd least want to be quarantined with and like ripped him <laughs> right. in their avails. Like they just like, I don't think they actually dislike each other at all, but they go at each other at all moments of practice. Um, and, and so I'm still curious to see if Schmidt and Miller end up there or if they end up being just like, you know, 
the guys you like come into work on a on a day and you like keep your head down and try to avoid because you're gonna get cut up to all shit. Um, but yeah, that was hilarious, eh? It was. It was good fun, and you know, Petey, if we're gonna dive deep, I mean, he looked like midseason form on the the shootout goal at the very least. He was the only guy to score in the shootout, but posting in and. Uh, Miller hit a post as well. He came that close to to scoring, but didn't. But uh, just the one shootout goal. So goals were at a premium on Saturday. Uh, the Canucks have to hope that that's not the case when they start playing for real here on Wednesday. And I mentioned goals because I'm excited about this. We're going to get into our goal proje- projections for the season. I can't believe that you have convinced me to go back down this road. I'm still yes. traumatized by my, my Marcus Granlin 24 <laughs> goal prediction. But before we do that... A little bit of news, and you wrote about it over the weekend, was the Matt Barzell contract mm-hmm. on the island. Gets himself a three-year bridge, 21 mil, so an average of seven. It's four, seven, and ten uh, are the way the years shake down. And and so he'll, you know, qualifying offer of, I think it's 8.4 uh, the next time around. But a lot of people look at this one as having some significance for Elias Pedersen and the Vancouver Canucks because you've got a rookie of the year, uh, you've got a guy who has been a big point producer, is sort of the face of that franchise that is trying to, you know, discover itself again, another sort of remake and remodel for the Islanders after Tavares left. So, you know, Barzell sort of stepped into that role of a bright young star in the NHL who does have that star power. And, you know, I mean, look, he had the massive rookie season. I think he had 85 points in his rookie season and then back-to-back yep. years in the low 60s. And, you know, he cashed in. He got himself a nice deal, but not perhaps what he would have done in normal time. So how does the Barzil contract apply, if at all, to Elias Pettersson? Yeah, well, so it suggests that the overall valuation for players on the other side of the pandemic hasn't shifted, at least in terms of hard value, right? Like the Barzil deal is roughly a piece with the Braden Point bridge three years 6.75 signed the year before and you know Barzil's the Calder winner but Braden Point had 44 goals and 90 (laughs) points in his platform season and ended up at three times 6.75 right Um, Matthew Kachuk who's you know 0.76 points per game over their ELC versus you know 8.8 for Barzil but does a lot of really rare stuff in terms of the power forward game that, that Kachuk plays. He was three times seven. Um, I guess you could maybe argue that Barzil coming in at the same level of as Kachuk would suggest that there's been a little bit, a little bit of a depression, maybe like a five, 10% sort of, sort of hold on where, where maybe you'd have expected valuations to be. Maybe, maybe you think that Barzil would have been seven, five on a bridge in a normal world, but it's not significant. Like the actual valuation of star players on the other side of the pandemic hasn't shifted. Stars are going to get paid period. Like that's how this is going to work. The thing that has changed, however, is we really haven't seen anyone go long, right? Like we're, we're not seeing the Dreisaitl, Eichel, Marner style contracts for second contract players. Um, Only Sean Walker, undrafted 25-year-old defenseman with the Los Angeles Kings, signed for more than three years uh, out of his uh, entry-level contract this offseason. So that suggests, and and I've been saying this for a while, um, you know, that does suggest that as a result of the flat cap era, uh, 
I do think Pedersen and Hughes are most likely going to end up on bridge deals. Uh, that said, they're going to end up on bridge deals above that, which Barzil signed for. Like, as one player agent quoted in the piece told me, the Barzil deal to them sets a floor for Pedersen. And I wouldn't be stunned if Pedersen beats that by a million um, per year, maybe more, uh, just based on the fact that he scores more. He's a better two-way player. Um and he means more to this market, ultimately. Like, Barzil means everything to Long Island, but I think Pedersen means more in Vancouver. <laughs> and then and then, and then, then Hughes, uh, obviously, that's even more complicated because it's tied into the Makar, Heiskanen, um, you know, uh, Dahlin dynamic. And, and we'll sort of wait yeah. and see. But the, just the last thing, you know, we haven't talked about it because we're used to it, I think. Uh, maybe a little too used to it. But Quinn Hughes does ridiculous stuff on the ice at all times. And watching him in that second scrimmage, I know there wasn't a ton of offense, but just the things he does shift after shift, he is so, so good. And Canucks fans should be very much looking forward to getting to see Quinn Hughes play hockey for the Canucks again starting this week. I, I just wanted to note no, that because no, I, I'm glad you, you did almost have to laugh. I, well, I, and I, look, I'm guilty of it too. Like you take this guy for granted already after one full season not even a full season because it was stopped by COVID. But like I tweeted it out because it just it hit me again on Saturday. The way he controls the two feet inside the blue line, whether it's having the confidence to make moves in that confined space or the passes across the blue line that just run like perfectly parallel to the blue line, but are always on the right side. Like they always stay on side. Like, you know, you see guys get pressured and hustle and just a desperation pass that comes outside the zone. Like never, like his, the two feet inside the blue line, and it may not be the most glamorous area on the ice, but like he just absolutely owns that two feet of space. And it just, it hit me again the other night because he, one spin play where he just, like he evaded a guy and he did it all within two feet of the blue line, which is a danger zone. Cause if you get checked, guys going the other way on a breakaway, right? But uh, he's yep. just so supremely confident. And no, I mean, he looks ready to go. He like, yeah, it's training camp. As he joked, like he feels like he's going into his third season because of uh, the COVID break and the bubble and everything else. So it is just officially his second full NHL season, even though he dipped his toe in with those games uh, at the tail end of 2018-19. Uh, but uh, he said, yeah, it kind of feels like this is my third year. So giddy up. Uh, can't wait to see Quinn Hughes do Quinn Hughes things. And I can't wait to see how much better my goal projections are than yours for this coming season. So it's time. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The floor is yours for the ground rules in the goal prediction contest. Okay. 
So here's my proposed rules, JPAT. We can discuss this as we go. Proposed okay. rules is a golf scoring system. There's no prices right here with the closest without going over mumbo jumbo. Uh, you want to have a low score with the best possible score per projection being zero. You get a plus one for every goal away from your projected guess. Uh, and that doesn't matter if you're over by one or under by one. It's plus one. So you project 22. Guy finishes with 19. That's a score of three. Um, goal is to get zero on every projection. Agreed? That works. Yeah, no, that's simple and clean. Okay. I like that. Yep, yep. And All then right. the stakes, we discussed actual stakes, mm -hmm. but I found, I found, and this just seems right to me. So, so you let me know, but I found a online German butcher called Schaller and Weber. <laughs> <laughs> And and so I'm proposing that we buy from Schaller and Weber, um, German butcher shop, a, a gift basket of the losers choosing. So if you lose, you get to choose a gift basket for me. If I lose, I choose a gift basket for you. Um, or alternatively, of course, we can do uh, in-person steak down the road, uh, hopefully in a brighter world. But I felt like Schaller and Weber, um, you know, German butcher, German online butcher was just too perfect. And that I wanted to pitch like... You know, the winner gets like the the Schaller and Weber um, Griller Special Summer Package, which comes with like beer worst and bratwurst and mustard um, and on and on. I just feel like a Schaller and Weber um, meat package is the appropriate uh, stakes to set for this year's competition. Uh, no, I like the idea of stakes being the stakes of this wager. So okay, that, you want to stick with stakes? No, 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 well, no. no they I don't just, do I'm... stakes though. The German, the oh, Schaller and Weber oh. doesn't do steaks is the only problem. Unless, unless you were going to do, we were going to do smoked ham steaks. <laughs> no, no, I don't nope. want okay. ham. No For ham. Actual steaks. No. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. We'll, uh, we'll actual like steaks the fact then either in person. You get massive credit for the research and the homework that you have done there. So, uh, but <laughs> Schaller you just, you, and Weber. You, yeah. You got to let it, at some point you got to let it go. Schaller does not play, yeah. doesn't play in the NHL anymore. <laughs> NHL, like, yeah. It doesn't have a deal at all. I don't know if he plays anywhere who knows but okay all right. okay don't rub it in <laughs> okay fair enough <laughs> uh so how are we uh, am, am i going to give my projection and you're going to counter or how are we doing this yeah why don't why don't you begin um okay. why don't you begin and i'll counter and explain how i how i hit mine you can explain how you hit yours and some of them we don't need to go too deep in we're gonna do 10 forwards 2d right yes and just quickly, let me say, like, there's going to be shock value to some of these totals, but remember, it's a 56-game season. So 30 goals in 82 games would essentially be 20 or 21. I mean, you're playing 70% yes. of a regular season if you're healthy and you play all the games. So a 20-goal score would be 14, 15-goal guy somewhere, you know, you're trying to get to double digits. So just keep that in mind as we unveil these. And we're all going to have to get used to that. Like, it's going to constantly be sort of this grind to... Uh, you know, be prorating over, you know, like, well, we'll, we'll get to shotgun Jake, but yeah. obviously people are going to be doing, you know, <laughs> how, how many shotguns in this season? It, it won't be as many as right. you probably are hoping for just because of the volume of games. But I've got, yeah, just Elias Petters. I've got Elias Petters number by 1.46. That's the, that's I've got the rule. A, I've got, oh, to get to what an 82 game season to would get to, be. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, I've got Elias Pettersson leading the Canucks. I've got, he's had 28 and 27 in his first two seasons. Uh, I've got him around a 33-goal pace in a regular year, so I've got 23 goals for Elias Pettersson. 
Oh, wow. So I don't have Pedersen as the Canucks' leading scorer, um, but okay. I have him at 22. So we're very close. Um, I'm expecting 15 at five on five and seven five on four goals this season. All right. Am I keeping score or are you keeping score? Does it matter? I, guess I, got I, tape. I have got We've it. got the tape. Yeah. No, I, All right. I, I'm keeping score. Okay. Uh, I've got Brock Besser getting to 20. He had 16 and 57 last year. I think there's a bounce back effect for Brock Besser. I think he'll spend most of the season on that lotto line. Don't know what his power play production will be, but uh, I, I expect Besser to, I'm going to go with 20, a round number and say Besser gets to 20. Yeah, I'm going with 21. So <laughs> we are very close so far. Uh, I expect 15 from Besser, five on five. I, I believe I have him leading the Canucks in five on five goals. No, he's tied with Pedersen. And then, uh, and then I have him at six and a half at the uh, power play goals. Uh, but I'm going to go with the lower end there. I'm not going to round up because he's at the net front, not at his usual uh, shooty spot. And I think that'll hurt him a little bit. All right, I'll go with JT Miller. And I've got him at 19. I think there's a slight step back for him this year. I mean, he was everything. And then some of the Canucks could have hoped. We know the price they paid to get him. His first year led the team in scoring and... You know, just the that motor, that engine that uh, drove this team on a lot of nights. I think there's a slight regression in his overall production. I'm going to say 19 goals for JT Miller. I also have 19. You agree with the machine here. Um, you know, using I've used pure career uh, goal scoring rates, or at least over the last three seasons. I've got him down for 11, 5 on 5, and 8 on the power play. Uh, JT Miller, we will not be getting a benefit one way or the other, right? Like, we're, we're both in that one together. Exact same okay. point projection, 19 goals. All right, the captain. Uh, Bo Horvath's got, you know, four straight 20-goal seasons. He had a career best of 27 two years ago. Uh, it looks like he's going to have Hoaglander on his wing, and we'll see how that line performs and utilization and, you know, whether they face the toughs as they have as much in past years. I've got Horvat, and I know he had 10 in the playoffs, but I've got him down for 17 for the season. Perfect. So here's where we uh, here's where we get some clash. I've got him down for 23. I have Bo Horvat as the Canucks' leading goal scorer. Um, I've adjusted his career scoring rates because they're really low. I'm betting that he's not facing toughs the same way this season. And I think I think his spot in the bumper spot, I think he's going to lead the Canucks in power play goals by a wide margin. I've got him as the Canucks' leading scorer this season. I've got him down for 23. That translates to a well over 30 goal pace. I think we're going to see Bo Horvat score a lot this year. Okay. Uh, I've got Gaudette and Pearson with 12 apiece. So I think Tanner Pearson, look, he had 21 last year, but was an empty net demon. Uh, I just think that a shortened season, there won't be as many empty net possibilities. This team may not have as many leads late in hockey games. Uh, I just don't think that he's going to cash in the way he did. And I don't think he would have been a 20 goal scorer in a full season. I think he would have been relatively close, but uh, I'm going to say 12 for Tanner Pearson, and I've got Gaudette at 12 as well. I've got 11 for Tanner Pearson, so I'm even uh, further, uh, more bearish yeah. than you are, and I've got nine for Adam Gaudette. Um, okay. You know, I, I, I'm, I've got nine, so I, I, I see Gaudette as like a 15 goal scorer over the course of a full season. Uh, that's based, too, on me only expecting him to play about 11 minutes a game, right? Like, I'm expecting him yep. to get fourth line ice time, and as such, my uh, my you know rate stats uh, are a little bit restrained. I, I think he's going to get nine. 
All right, so we've done six, and we've got ten forwards. You and I probably should have agreed on the ten forwards at the very least, because I'm not sure that we're going to have the same ten forwards, and that would oh, I'm sure be a bit do. of an issue. Well, who do you, let's who go else shot- do you have? I've got, I've got shotgun. Let's go with shotgun. Yeah, of course. Uh, I've got ten. Double digits. Uh, I'm a little worried that if Brandon Sutter turns out to be a regular center for him, we know that Sutter is not a playmaker and, and really hasn't been able to distribute pucks to wingers over his time in the NHL. And so that could cut into to Jake, but he had some power play success last year. Uh, you know, if he's playing with the Gaudette, there may be some offensive boost there. There may be some concerns defensively, but I've got Jake Vertanen with 10 on the season. Well, I've got him for 11, so I'm higher on okay. Jake Vertanen than somebody. <laughs> all right all right okay now now we get into the dicey ones did you do hoglander hoglander Her- i did Her- yep. whatever yeah <laughs> me too Hoglander. what do you got yes. i'm going with nine for the rookie wow nine that's big that's a big total yeah you have you have wow I, i've got seven i've got seven goals for hoglander i'm basing that purely on an shl uh, NHL translation number, um, you know, no, no good way of using rate stats to mathematically project, project a guy with no NHL track record. So I've just used a straight translation number that gets me to a relatively conservative seven goal total. All right. And I've got Antoine Roussel and Brandon Sutter as the last two forwards. Oh, I use Tyler Mott, but that's okay. I can quickly do Sutter. You have Roussel? I have Roussel. Okay. Well, let's do Roussel. Yeah. I've got Roussel down for eight. Now, he had seven in okay. 41 games last year. Like, he's and he had four straight double-digit goal seasons in Dallas. Like, he's a guy that's been able to put the puck in the net. And he's looked good at training camp. Yeah. But short, shortened season, and we saw what happened to his ice time in the bubble. Uh, you know, if they're playing tight games, I could see some of that happening again for him. So, yeah, I'm going with eight for Antoine Roussel. I've got six, so I'm I'm even less bullish than you are. I've got six goals yeah. for Antoine Roussel, um, and I think that's a good haul. Like I think that makes him a ten goal scorer, playing you know in my view no power play time realistically, um, though he might play some as as sort of the first guy up onto that second unit. Um, but I'm not projecting him to get any power play ice time here, and uh, and six goals. I mean that's ten goals from a fourth line minutes guy. That's good. Like that to me is is useful. So. Um, you know, I've, I've got him there and, and I think that's, I think that would be a healthy haul, uh, for, for, uh, Mr. Roussel. All right. So who are we going with in the 10th forward then? Or well, go, Su- go Sutter. Cause I go okay. Sutter, but just like, but just like do it in at least three sentences so that I have time to quickly, uh, crunch my <laughs> Sutter numbers. Fair enough. Uh, Brandon Sutter, uh, we know like the guy can shoot the puck that that's always been, he's had an NHL shot and my issues with Sutter have always been his playmaking and his distributing. And, and I still, have those concerns at this stage of his career, but uh, we have seen that he can put pucks in the net at times. Uh, again, I don't know what his role is going to be. That's the biggest concern here, but I've got Sutter down for eight goals along with Roussel. So I'm going with eight for Brandon Sutter. Thank you for giving me the time to crunch the numbers. Like, I don't know if you heard the bleeps and the bloops in the background, <laughs> uh, but I've got Brandon Sutter down for seven. That's assuming he gets no power play ice time, an assumption which I think is relatively safe. So uh, you've got eight for Sutter, and I have got seven. And that sort of underscores my concerns about this team again, is the bottom six when you look at some of the goal totals there. You know, can they get enough production on those nights when the top-end guys or the power play 
aren't getting it done. And I guess uh, time will tell. There's only one way to find out, and it starts Wednesday in Edmonton. On defense, I've got, uh, I'm going with Quinn Hughes and Nate Schmidt. Are those our two defenders? Yep, 100%. Okay. So i make this pretty simple. I've got seven for both of them. Uh, Hughes had eight okay. in 68 games last year. And so, you know, I, like he doesn't have an absolute cannon of a shot, but he's got enough of a shot that, you know, he'll get a couple where he blows pucks past goalies. But, um, yeah, I've got him for seven. And, and Nate Schmidt's never been a big goal scorer, a career high of, two, of nine two years ago. Uh, he had seven last year in 59 games. So that's essentially the kind of schedule, new surroundings, maybe an opportunity, more of an opportunity, although he had a pretty good opportunity mm-hmm. in, in Vegas. But but I've got, yeah, I've got Hughes and Schmidt both down for seven goals. I've got seven for Hughes as well. So we're in agreement on Hughes and JT Miller. And I've got four for Nate Schmidt. So there's like this competition is going to come down to Schmidt and to <laughs> Bo Horvat. We have like a six goal on Adam Godet. We have a three goal disagreement on Godet. Um, we're pretty close. Like, you, honestly, you know, man, man and machine uh, tended to agree pretty closely here. The only guy we really have significant splits on. Uh, is Bo Horvat, where I have him down for 23 and you have him down for 17. That's going to be the ball game. This is really the Bo Horvat goal scoring totals competition. Everything else is kind of marginal. So uh, fascinating. Like that's a fascinating exercise to know, A, how close you actually came to using raw rate stats, right? Like there's very little evaluative uh, decision making that I've done here. I- I've really just crunched numbers based on historic scoring rates. And you've come within a goal or two on, you know, uh, 10 of our 12. And and then there's Schmidt and then there's Horvat. Those are those are really the only two where we're disagreeing. And, and that makes sense because Schmidt's def- a defender. Defenders are always hard to, to project in this way. And Bo Horvat, I've sort of given a boost just because I think he's found something different. Um, and I think he's going to be a massively effective, like probably among the NHL leaders in power play goal scoring this year from that bumper spot. Right, and I still wear the Gramlin thing with shame, and so like, I, look, I went with my heart. I guess that like he came off a 19 goal season. I thought he might play with the Twins and 24. Like, I, honestly, I don't know what I was thinking, but like, hey, well, I, you I have still, you have Gramlin, I have Schaller. I have sleepless <laughs> nights. All these years later, the guy's out of the league. He's playing in the K. I still track his stats in the K because I I think that there's a, maybe a 24 goal season left in him somewhere on this planet. But anyways, uh, I digress on on Marcus Gramlin. But uh, yeah, all right. Well, uh, I've jotted those down and we will uh, certainly chart the the progress of our goal scoring derby as we uh, work our way through the season. And yes, the season is upon us now. If uh, COVID willing, uh, all system to go on Wednesday night and again on Thursday, let the games begin. And with the new hockey season, I want to mention the Athletic Hockey Show with Ian Mendez, who has just joined the Athletic and will do a terrific job in Ottawa. Uh, He and Haley Salvian debuted the Athletic Hockey Show. It's a brand new pod uh, they're going to do it three times a week. Man, I thought we were ambitious with two a week, but uh, apparently they're going... Maybe we set the bar. <laughs> Did we set the company bar and somebody felt that they had to go above it, perhaps, is uh, what went on there. But uh, if yeah, you want to check bringing out... In, bringing yeah, in Mendez and Dangle to compete with us. Good luck. Good luck, Athletic <laughs> <Exactly>. HQ. <laughs> <laughs> we're drawing the line in the sand here to get this season going. Hey, uh, we always say this too. Check out our comment section for each podcast episode of the Athletic app. And rate and subscribe to the VanCast on Apple. And if you're not already a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash VanCast and receive a subscription for just $3.99 a month. All right. Uh, we covered a lot of ground. Lots going on. 
This is the time of year. Uh, well, it's a little different, obviously, starting a season in January. But this is what it's all about. This is what we do here. So uh, looking forward to doing, uh, now that we've got games to start to digest, I, I hope you can get into the rink today. Uh, I will see you at the Me rink too. today. And uh, let's see what happens here. I mean, now inside of 24 hours from, you know, an opening night roster and more decisions that have to be made by this hockey club. So uh, let the games begin. For Drancer, it's J-Pat. As always, thanks so much for your support. We love doing the VanCast, and we'll continue to produce uh, two a week here now that the season is upon us. So thanks so much for listening to this edition of the VanCast here at The Athletic and theathletic.com.